Welcome to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Be Set Free features the teaching ministry of Pastor Nick Cady. Pastor Nick's desire is to bring the gospel into our lives so we can experience the joy and freedom that can only be found through Jesus. Today's message comes from our series, Desiring the Kingdom, a study of the books of First and Second Kings. Here is Pastor Nick. Thank you for your word. And as we turn our attention to it, Lord, we want to do so in just a sense of surrender, a sense of worship, Lord, asking that by your spirit, you would work in our lives and that you would transform us. So Lord, help us that we would receive your words and be responsive to them. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, I have a bad habit I wanted to tell you about. It's a habit I picked up from my dad, and it really is a bad habit. When I was a kid, sometimes my family, we would get in the car to go somewhere, to drive somewhere. And my dad would get in and he would start driving. The only problem was sometimes he didn't know where we were supposed to be going, but he would just drive anyway. This is something he did. Well, I kind of picked this habit up as well. See, my dad, I played baseball a lot when I was a kid, kind of competitively. So for several months out of the year, uh, every weekend, you know, around the whole state of Colorado, playing in tournaments, um, traveling all over the place for these tournaments. So every weekend, right, it'd be this mad rush to get out the door and get all the stuff packed in the car. And then we get in the car and then my dad would just start driving. And then after a, a while, my mom would be like, well, you know where we're going, right? And he'd be like, no, I, I don't know where I'm going. I'm just driving. And, you know, that wasn't usually a problem until we got out of the neighborhood, right? Because you don't necessarily need to know where you're going just to drive out of the neighborhood. But once you reach an intersection or a crossroads where you have to choose a direction and commit, right, then it, then it can be pretty precarious. It can really lead you in the wrong way because maybe you need to go south, but you turn west and it can lead you way off course. So that had happened sometimes. You know what else would happen? Sometimes he would get lucky though, right? He would be like, turn left and drive for several miles in that direction. And it turned out that was the direction we needed to go in, even though he didn't know that. He just picked one and it happened to be right. But most of the time, this habit of going without knowing the destination, where we were trying to get to, it just resulted in a lot of frustration, a lot of wasted time, and a lot of wasted up gas. And it drove my mom crazy, and now I do it, and it drives my wife crazy. Well, listen, there are a lot of people who approach life in the same way, aren't there? Don't you think? They're just going, right? They just get in the car of life, so to say, and they just start going. But they don't know where they're going. They don't know how to get there. They're just going, right? And I, I think that describes our times that we live in, and, and even some of us sometimes, if we look at our lives, we're going 100 miles an hour, like as fast as we can, doing all this stuff. But we have no idea where we're trying to get to, where we're going. There's no destination in mind. And what's the result? The result is a lot of wasted time, a lot of wasted energy. And in many cases, you end up finding yourself in places where you never wanted to be. So what's the alternative? Well, the alternative is to start with your destination in mind, to start with your destination in mind, to begin by knowing where you want to end up, where you want this, this journey to end. You know, over the past few weeks, we've been looking at two people and their lives are very much intertwined. One is King Ahab and the other one is the prophet Elijah. Now, in our study today, we're going to see the end of both of their lives, the end of both their lives. And we're going to see the legacies that they both left behind. And as we do that, we want to consider our own lives. 
so that rather than just going and doing things, we know, first of all, what's the destination? Where are we trying to get to? And start with that destination in mind so that our destination can determine the way that we live today. Okay, the title of today's message is The Legacy of Your Life. The Legacy of Your Life. And what we're going to see in this message is this. The end of your life is inevitable, but the decisions you make today can have an impact for eternity. Every week I've been giving you a sentence, and then that sentence functions as our outline for studying the passage. But I'd love it if you'd write that sentence down, memorize it, take a photo of it, whatever you got to do. There's some note cards in the pockets in front of you. Feel free to take notes with those, some pens there. And why I like this is because, you know, how many times does someone ask you after church, what you guys talk about at church? And you're like, I don't know, probably the Bible or something, right? And even me, right? I'm like, I'm the pastor. I was the one doing the talking. It helps us to have this sentence so that later on today, when somebody asks you, what you guys talk about at church today? You're going to tell them, 2 Kings 1 and 2. And here's what we talked about. The end of your life is inevitable, but the decisions you make today can have an impact for eternity. So let's take that sentence. Let's break it down. Let's study this passage. 2 Kings chapter 1, verse 1 says... After the death of Ahab, Moab rebelled against Israel. King Ahab, we've been looking at his life for the past several weeks at the end of 1 Kings. He ruled over Israel for 22 years. And as we've seen, he was a truly wicked person. He introduced a form of idolatry into Israel that included the shedding of human blood. It included making human sacrifices, even human baby sacrifices, sacrificing children. He was a wicked person, and he even persecuted and killed the prophets of God. But in due time, as always is the case, Ahab died. His life came to an end. And Ahab's son, Ahaziah, took over for him, succeeded him as the king of Israel. We're told in 1 Kings, so the previous chapter, last chapter of 1 Kings, we're given a summary of Ahaziah's life. Here's what it says. Ahaziah did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And he walked in the way of his father and in the way of his mother and in the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin. He served Baal and worshiped him and provoked the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger in every way that his father had done. So here we see the legacy of King Ahab's life, the legacy of King Ahab's life. His life was lived in idolatry, in rebellion against God, and that continued as a legacy through his son, and it affected many people for multiple generations there in Israel. Just as we see the end of King Ahab's life here in chapter 1 of 2 Kings, we're also going to see in chapter 2 today the end of the life of the prophet Elijah. So these two men's lives, they kind of parallel each other, and they're intertwined. And here in these two chapters, we see the end of both their lives. But you know what else we see? We also see the legacy of both of their lives as well. And what this forces us to think about, what it confronts us with, is this fact. The end of your life is inevitable. The day is coming when your life will end. Guys, I don't know if you've seen the statistics on death. They're not very encouraging. 10 out of 10, somewhere around 100%. I'm not good at math. Maybe you are, but I think that's what it adds up to. Listen, I I've talked to people, and they've said, oh, Nick, you know, 
Don't bum me out with this death stuff. You know, Sunday morning, tell me something happy. I came here to be encouraged. Don't tell me, don't remind me that I'm going to die one day. Well, I, I want you to know this. You know, people say, oh, I just want to live my life. I don't want to think about the fact that I'm going to die. I want to tell you this. Facing the reality of, of the limitations of your life, the fact that you are mortal, that you will die, that is one of the best things you can possibly do. And here's why. Because it changes the way you live here and now. It changes the way you approach life. It changes what you value, how you spend your time, the kind of things you care about and get stressed out about or don't get stressed out about. Well, listen, after King Ahab died, Moab rebelled. That's what we read. The region of Moab is in modern-day Jordan, and Israel had actually controlled Moab. The, the land of Moab was part of the ruling area of the king of Israel ever since the time of King David. But in the time of Ahaziah, Moab rebelled against Israel, and they lost control of Moab. Now, the reason this is significant is because this is a sign of the fact that Israel is declining as a nation in influence, in power, etc. During the time of David and the time of King Solomon, Israel was on the up and up. They were becoming more and more powerful, influential, wealthy. But ever since Solomon turned away from the Lord and embraced idolatry and led the nation into idolatry, We've seen this steady decline, and this is another sign of the decline. They lose control over the region of Moab. Well, listen, not only was the nation of Israel falling apart during this time, but the king of Israel was kind of falling apart at this time as well. Look at verse 2. Now Ahaziah fell through the lattice in his upper chamber in Samaria, and he lay sick. So here's, here's Ahaziah walking around his, you know, kingly palace, and somehow, we're not sure how, maybe it was a weakness in the construction. Some translations suggest that he fell out of a window. We're not sure how, but somehow he fell from the second story and landed on the ground, and he suffered injuries as a result. Now check out how Ahaziah responded during this time of trouble and injury. Verse 2, the second half. So he sent messengers telling them, Go, inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover from the sickness. Beelzebub was a form, a local manifestation, a local styling of the pagan god Baal, who we've been talking about over the past several weeks. And actually the name Beelzebub, it means the Lord of the Flies. The Lord of the Flies. Why? Because when sacrifices were made, remember they're making sacrifices with human blood, with, with human bodies. And as these sacrifices, the remains of these sacrifices would stay on the altar, it would create this horrible stench and it would attract flies. And so when all these flies showed up on these, on these disgusting altars, they said, oh, look, there's Beelzebub showing up in the flies. All the flies worship him. He's the Lord of the flies. Now, by the time of Jesus, this name Beelzebub, it came to be synonymous with Satan because the Jewish people looked at this and they looked back in this and they said that was pure evil, satanically inspired evil. And so they started using the name Beelzebub as a synonym for Satan. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Nick Cady of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We'll get back to the remainder of this message in a moment. We are open for in-person worship on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. We have implemented procedures to ensure your safety as we gather for worship and studying God's Word. 
Come grow with us on Sunday mornings, online or in person at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. Now, back to Pastor Nick with the remainder of today's message. Well, in Ahaziah's trouble, understand, rather than turning to the Lord, he turns to Beelzebub. Verse 3, But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria, and say to them, Is it because there's no God in Israel that you're going to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron? Now therefore, thus says the Lord, You shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. So Elijah went. Okay, so God tells Elijah, Go and intercept the messengers of of Ahaziah, they're going to consult with a pagan priest to ask if Ahaziah is going to recover from these injuries he sustained during this fall. So God says, I want you to go and intercept them. And instead, you give them this message. You go and you tell them, the Lord, the God of Israel, the true and living God, he'll give you an answer to your question. Do you want to know the answer? Are you going to survive? The answer is no, Ahaziah, you are not going to survive. Your condition is fatal. You're going to die. And so I want you to understand this before we go on. This message to King Ahaziah, this was truly uh, the mercy of God to King Ahaziah to tell him this. And here's why. Something we see throughout the Bible is that false prophets at this time in the ancient world, false prophets had this tendency to tell people a positive message. Rather than, in some cases, it wasn't always true, right? We see this over and over in the Bible, the false prophet gives a false message, and oftentimes that false message is a message of false hope. So what would have happened is Ahaziah's messengers go to the prophets of Beelzebub, and they say, hey, is Ahaziah going to recover from this fall? And they would have said, oh yeah, you betcha. He's going to be great. He's going to make a great recovery and have a happy life. And they would have all said, oh, that makes us feel good to know that. It would have gone back, hey, all good news. And then Ahaziah would have died. So here's what happens. In his mercy, God says, no, no, no. Before that happens, before he goes and gets the happy message, which isn't true, I want you to intercept them and make sure that they understand the truth. He is going to die. This is true. He is not going to recover. Understand, this message is a gift to King Ahaziah because he gets to know something that very few people get to know in their lifetime. And that is, he gets to know the time of his death. He gets to know how much time he has before his life is over. He gets to know that this is his deathbed. That's, that's a gift. I'll tell you why. Because Ahaziah has lived an ungodly life. And now here he is on his deathbed, and he has an opportunity right now, an opportunity to repent and ask forgiveness. God will show him mercy if he does. It's as if God is stretching out his hand one last time to Ahaziah and saying, Ahaziah, take my hand, receive my mercy, repent, and I will show you mercy and grace and forgive you. But Ahaziah, well, let's see how he responds. In verses 5 through 9, I'll kind of summarize it for you. The messengers come back and they say, well, we didn't get to the prophets of Beelzebub because this guy met us on the way and he told us that Yahweh said you're going to die. And he's like, uh, Ahaziah's like, well, who was this guy? And they said, I don't know. He was, he was wearing like fur and he was wearing a leather belt. It was quite the fashion statement. And Ahaziah's like, I know a guy who dresses like that. That's Elijah the Tishbite. And he's like, I hate that guy. He always tells me what I don't want to hear. So look at what happens in verse 9. Then the king sent to him a captain of 50 men with his 50. And he went up to Elijah who was sitting on top of a hill and said to him, O man of God, the king says, 
come down. So Ahaziah sends 50 soldiers to go arrest and execute Elijah. Now think about how ridiculous this is. Here's Ahaziah. He's on his deathbed. He's dying. And he spends his dying days, his dying moments, rather than getting right with God and, and settling his business with God, instead, he used his final days to, to try and kill someone who, again, it's like shooting the messenger. Elijah was just passing on the message of God, and, and Ahaziah is taking aim at him. Verse 10, But Elijah answered the captain of 50, If I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50. And then fire came down from heaven and consumed him and the 50. So it's like, boom, lightning comes down, just wipes all these people out. They all die. Well, surely Ahaziah is going to see this sign. He's going to understand. God's telling him, Ahaziah, stop resisting me. Ahaziah, I'm calling you. I'm offering you grace. Surely Ahaziah is going to get the, the message, right? He's going to take the opportunity to get right with God before he dies. Verse 11. Well, no, that's not what he does. Again, the king sent him another captain of 50 with his 50. He's like, lightning never strikes in the same place twice, so I should be fine. So these 50 show up. They tell him the same thing. Hey, get down here. The king says you have to come with him. And Elijah's like, all right. Boom, another lightning strike kills these same, uh, in the same place, kills these next 50 guys. Now, of course, at this point, surely Ahaziah, he's going to stop resisting the Lord. He's going to humble himself before God because God is offering him, after all, mercy and grace. So what do you think Ahaziah did? Well, look at it in verse 13. Again, the king sent a captain of a third captain with 50 and his 50 men. But listen, this captain is smarter. He's actually learned something from the other two guys who died. And look what happens at the end of verse 13. The third captain of 50 went up, came and fell on his knees before Elijah and entreated him. O man of God, please let my life and the life of these 50 servants of yours be precious in your sight. So the third captain humbles himself before Elijah and asks for mercy and he receives it. Now, this is exactly what Ahaziah needs to do when it comes to God. If Ahaziah would humble himself before God, he would receive mercy in the same way. This is a principle that's repeated throughout the Bible, that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Well, verse 15, look at what happens. Then the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, Go down, do not be afraid of him, go down with him. So he rose and went down with him to the king. So now in verse 16, Elijah meets King Ahaziah and talks to him face to face and speaks with him. And then Ahaziah dies. So listen, we don't know. Did Ahaziah have like a deathbed conversion? It seems to be implied that he did not. And what this brings us to is the second part of our sentence for this week, which is this. The end of your life is inevitable, but the decisions you make today can have an impact for eternity. Ahaziah died. His life here on earth ended. But listen, the end of Ahaziah's life here on earth, that's, that was not the end of Ahaziah. Throughout the Bible, we see God wants us to understand this fact. The end of your life here on earth is not the end of you. At one point, your life here on earth will end, but you, your soul, who you are at your core, in your essence, will go on living. 
You know, this tent of your body, one day it will be wrapped up, it will be folded, it will be put away, it will cease to exist, but your soul will continue on living. Every one of us is going to spend eternity somewhere. The question is, where? God was so persistent with Ahaziah. Why? Because God cared about his soul. And Ahaziah's decision to ignore God's warnings, to reject God's offer, his invitation of mercy for his soul, these decisions, they impacted Ahaziah's destiny for all of eternity. Chapter 2, verse 1 says this, Now when the Lord was about to take up Elijah to heaven. Well, let's just stop a minute and let's talk about that. Let's talk about heaven. Throughout the Bible, we're told that heaven and hell are real and not everyone goes to heaven. Heaven and hell are real, and not everyone goes to heaven. In contrast to Ahab and Ahaziah, in, in chapter 2, we're now turning our attention to Elijah and the end of Elijah's life and Elijah's legacy that he leaves behind. God had told Elijah back in chapter 19 when he was in the desert that a man named Elisha would be his successor and carry on his ministry. Now we're, we're going to see that that day has come when Elijah is going to step aside and Elisha is going to succeed him in his ministry as prophet. It's a bit unfortunate that their names are so similar. So just stick with me, okay? Elijah with a J, he's the older prophet who's going away. Elisha, he's the younger prophet who's going to stay and take over. In verses 2 through 8, I'll summarize what happens for you. It's an interesting thing that happens. Elijah and Elisha are walking. Now, Elisha knows this is the day when Elijah is going to be caught up to heaven and he's going to take over for him. But Elijah does this weird thing with Elisha where he says, hey, let's go to Gilgal. So they go and then they get to Gilgal. And then Elijah says to him, all right, so you stay here in Gilgal and I'm going to go to Jericho. And Elisha's like, no, you're not. I'm coming with you. So he, he follows him to Jericho. Okay, then they get to Jericho, and he's like, Elijah, the older prophet, he's like, okay, now you stay here, and I'm going to go to the River Jordan. And you, you just hang out here. You don't have to come with me. And Elisha's like, no, I'm coming with you. What's going on here? It seems like he's trying to, like, shake him off or trying to lose him or something, right? What's he doing? Well, what Elijah, the older prophet, is doing is he's testing Elisha's commitment. You see, being a prophet was not a walk in the park. It was a hard life. It involved poverty, people wanting to kill you all the time. It was not an easy life to live. And Elisha needed to be truly committed, truly believe that this is what God called him to do and be in all in 100% if he was going to take this role. And so what Elijah's doing is he's giving Elisha a couple opportunities to get off the hook, right? To just exit and, and quit now before he gets into this if he's not really uh, committed to doing this. Well, Elisha shows he is committed and he goes with uh, Elijah all the way down to the Jordan River where this is going to take place. Now, in verse 7, it tells us that from Jericho there, which, by the way, is very close to the Jordan River, all these prophets, these other prophets, 50 other prophets, they walk out to the Jordan River just to watch from a distance what's going to happen. And in verse 8, it says, Elijah took his cloak and rolled it up, and he struck the water. And the water was parted on one side and to the other, so the two of them could cross over on dry ground. Verse 9, when they crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you, because I am 
before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. Listen, Elisha not only was committed to taking over Elijah's ministry, but he desired that God would do even greater things through him than God had done through Elijah. That's a noble thing, guys. It's a noble thing to want God to work through your life. And here's what's really interesting. He says, give me a double portion. Over the next several chapters here in 2 Kings, you know, that's exactly what we're going to see. Elisha ends up doing exactly two times, twice the number of miracles that Elijah did during his life. Now in verse 11, it says that we read how chariots of fire came and they separated Elijah and Elisha down by the river. And Elijah was caught up to heaven in a whirlwind. He's one of only a handful of people in the Bible who never tasted death, but was taken straight up into heaven. You've been listening to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We have three in-person services on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. And our 9.30 and 11 services are live streamed on our website for those who would like to worship with us online. We are located just east of County Line Road and Highway 119 at 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont. For more information or to hear other messages from Pastor Nick, visit us online at whitefieldschurch.com. Be Set Free is a listener-supported program. If you have been blessed by this message and would like to support this ministry, you can send a donation via check to 2950 Colorful Avenue, Longmont, Colorado, 80504, or donate online at besetfreeradio.com.